Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we broke down Golden State's possibilities with the 7th and 14th picks in July's NBA draft. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, I I know that our listeners, anyone who's followed this podcast, they're familiar with you. They're familiar with your work. I'm a fan of your work, which is why I enjoy having you on. And I really have come to appreciate your podcast. And you've been doing a great daily podcast for a while now, breaking down the ins and outs of everything going on with the Warriors. And um, I wanted to have you on to break down all the ins and outs and possibilities that the Warriors have with these two lottery picks. So we're talking right now on a Wednesday morning. Uh, Last night, the Warriors got the 7 and 14 picks in the 2021 NBA draft, which is in late July. And those that was basically the likeliest scenario. They had a 97% chance of keeping their own 14 pick um, and it not vaulting up into the top four of the draft. And then they had a uh, around a 29% chance of getting the seventh pick, which was the highest percentage chance of where they would land with that top three protected pick from, from Minnesota. And so – no huge surprises there, but when you see when you're watching the draft lottery last night and you see it go seven fourteen, what are your first thoughts? Uh, great outcome for the Warriors because remember last year they had the uh, number one spot in the lottery, right? And so, yeah, the smoothed out odds them in the top three teams had a fourteen percent chance of getting the number one pick, but they technically moved down from one to two. So I thought, you know, just don't move down if you're the Warriors, right? Like that if if that's if you're that front office, all you want to know is that, hey, we're not going to like we're going to get this Minnesota pick and we're not going to get it to a point where it moves down to like nine or ten, which I think would have been the worst case scenario for them. Um, I think getting the 10th pick in this draft would have been worse than just getting it unprotected next year. Right. Because who cares? like the 10th pick in the draft, like whatever, there's not you already have the 14th pick. There's not much of a difference in this draft between 10 and 14. Um, but the fact that you're able to get seven in this draft. No, it's not the fourth pick, right? No, your 14th pick overall didn't get number one as much as people desperately wanted those things. It just wasn't, you know, it was, it was there's was a chance, but a very slim chance, like you said. So the fact that you just got seven and 14 and you didn't walk away getting screwed is, is a win if you're the Warriors front office, right? And so now you have the seventh pick in a draft that is starting. Everybody's kind of like, okay, this is a top, like a consensus top five. And after that, there's a drop off. But more and more lately, it sounds like there's a, a consensus top four with Jonathan Kaminga kind of dropping out of that um, with Kaminga still kind of at five, but there's definitely a tier. And in that four, there's kind of a top tier, right? It's Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley. That's your top two. Then you kind of drop down to the Jalen's and then you kind of go to the Jonathan Kaminga's, the Scotty Barnes, the Davion Mitchell's. That's kind of that next tier. And the Warriors with the seventh pick will have an opportunity to pick from that third tier. And that's going to be a really good player potentially for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I I kind of had a similar thought when I was watching the draft lottery last night. My obviously you 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 hope for their sake that they can get into the top five, get 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 that number four spot because there was this weird uh there was this weird kind of numbers thing where they actually had no chance of getting the number five pick, but you know, they had a little bit less than a 10% chance of getting number four. 
Um, but I honestly thought even getting the sixth pick would be somewhat of a coup for this team because it's looking like, um, you know, it's looking like Scotty Barnes out of Florida State, who's been compared a little bit to Draymond Green, could be that number six guy. And uh, you talked about the drop off from four to five. There's also a little bit of a drop off from five to six, that being Kaminga to Barnes. But there's a significant drop off from Barnes to everyone else. Um, uh, I don't know if I agree I, with that. I, I don't know that I agree. I think the Barnes love, like he's kind of the flavor of the week and we're sort of overblowing what it is that Sky Barnes. Like, look, I think Sky Barnes does a ton of things well. I And I like Scotty Barnes and I and I hate that I like these Florida State guys recently because I'm a UCF guy, but uh, I do because they're all like these super versatile wings and stuff. Here's what I'm thinking though. I think being at seven, you don't have to deal with like these high upside. I think it almost works into the Warriors' favor, right? It kind of saves them from themselves because- Think about last year, Connor. I mean, they're sitting there with the number two pick. And that was a similar situation to this year where there's a consensus top three, right? And you kind of mix the order up. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman. It's kind of, you know, your taste is who you would pick number one. Uh, the Warriors ended, ended up going with Wiseman. But you and I know from talking to people in the Warriors last year, yeah, I, they liked Wiseman. But I don't, they were trying to trade down. Right. Like they didn't I don't know that they wanted to take that raw high upside, but maybe like a definitely a raw type of guy. Like what would have happened if the Warriors, say, would have slid to let's call it six last year. And maybe they're in position to just take Tyrese Halliburton or something like that. A guy with definitely a higher floor, maybe not as much of a ceiling, but somebody who projects as more of a immediate contributor. I think the Warriors would have been better last year. And I kind of think they would have been better off. Right. Not having to thread this needle like they talked about not ending up at four or six in this draft kind of it it may save golden state from themselves where they end up at seven those high upside guys are off the table and then you're looking at okay davion mitchell a junior 22 years old he can help right now he doesn't have the upside of a barnes or a kaminga or jalen green but you know what the floor is really high with him we think he can compete defensively right away he could slash and kick for us right away and be a bench guy for us and without all these expectations Franz Wagner out of Michigan kind of same type of deal like all these guys that are in that in that range um Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga like he can walk in and start making threes right away you know like maybe by avoiding the fourth or the sixth slot the Warriors are now saved from themselves and it's kind of a better situation for a team that's trying to get back to the playoffs yeah you you hit on something I think really apt right there um which is you know, I think every front office, there's uh, there's just a natural inclination to kind of subscribe to the herd mentality and mm-hmm. what is widely believed to be the top guys. And and Bob Myers even referenced it yesterday. He's like, it, there's five guys out there. You know, like it it, it 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 comes across like he believes what everyone else believes, which is there's five guys. Now, maybe he does independently believe that just doing his own research. But it's also possible like that these guys believe that because everyone believes that that's just how that's just how it is. And right. um, kind of a chicken or the egg. So like when when the Warriors got the number two pick last year, it was. It was not even a conversation. It was like if 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 Anthony Edwards goes number one, then the Warriors have to take James Wiseman because mm-hmm. he's like the consensus number two guy and he's fills a positional need and all these things. And um I actually think that it would have been better for the Warriors if they had gotten number three because 
you know, let's say Charlotte had gotten number two, they probably take Wiseman at number two. Then even if the Warriors aren't super high on LaMelo Ball, they still kind of have to take LaMelo Ball because he's so talented. Um, And then, you know, you figure that out. And like you said, if they had fallen more toward the mid lottery, there's no doubt that they would have taken Tyrese Halliburton. They would, they love Tyrese Halliburton. They believe that he was going to be a great player. And if, if they're in that four to 10 range and he's available, they're taking him. And that would have been honestly a perfect fit. You know, Tyrese Halliburton is exactly what they need on this team right now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to your point too, I mean, look, this is not, this is not necessarily a criticism of the Warriors front office, but I do think it's worth pointing out. This is not a terribly creative front office right and 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 you know everybody mocks james wiseman at number two to the warriors and the warriors end up taking james wiseman number two it doesn't make it the wrong pick it's just not a creative pick it's not a creative use of assets right like they didn't try to trade down and accumulate more assets or maybe they did try but they weren't willing to take whatever was on the uh, offered to them um you know everybody for months and months and months is saying, Hey, just trade D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins. And that's exactly what they do for months and months and months. We're projecting, Hey, Kelly Oubre at the TPE would make a lot of sense. That's exactly what they do. Right. And there's, there's, it doesn't make it the wrong thing. It just kind of makes it the, like maybe the obvious thing is obvious because it's the right thing to do. Right. Like there's, there's an argument to be made for that, but the Warriors tend, this front office does tend to do the obvious thing. The interesting thing with this, having the seventh pick, right? Because maybe now there is a top six. I had Chad Ford on my podcast last week, and he said it was a consensus top five, and now front offices across the NBA are saying it's a, it's a, there's a top six now and put FSU's Scotty Barnes into that top six. Okay, there's a top six, and now there's a drop-off at seven. In some respects, the draft starts at seven with Golden State, and that consensus top seven or top six is off the board, right? If if Kaminga goes at five and Barnes goes at six, then the Warriors have no choice but to be creative now, right? Like they have to say, okay, what does the the rest of this draft look like, and who we who do we think is number one on the board now that the rest of the draft is finally happening, right? Yeah. And they now the Warriors have an opportunity instead of reacting maybe to these big boards and these consensuses to setting the table to setting yeah. the standard. Because honestly, the Warriors could take any lo- somewhat logical name at number seven, and yeah. they're not going to get blasted. You know, they're not going to get F's on the 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 draft grade uh, because there's no consensus about who should who should go there. Um, you know, and I, I I you mentioned Davion Mitchell. Um, he is he's definitely a plug and play guy i think uh i've been seeing him rise on draft boards and i think it's largely because there's just an understanding that he's going to be a really solid nba player um Mm -hmm. whereas some of these other guys they might have higher ceilings but there's no guarantees at all that they'll be even helpful nba players and right i mean i watched i didn't watch much college basketball this season but i i watched the final four (laughs) and they on mitchell um, and and what he did with that Baylor team was incredibly impressive. Um, his defense, obviously, he's been lauded as the the number one one on one defender in college basketball this past season. And then I think his offense is better than people might give him credit for. He's very athletic. I think he plays within himself. 
I think he's a guy who could come in next season and and be a helpful, maybe even top eight rotation guy, um, and help you know shore up some of their defensive short shortcomings. Yeah, no doubt. And like first of all, for his offensive game, forty five percent three point shooter last year, kind of an outlier. You know, that was his junior year. Didn't shoot as well his first few years. Um, and he was a 64% free throw shooter, which is usually a pretty good indicator of three point percentage, uh, three point accuracy at the NBA level and shooting 64 from the line, not very good, but I look, you look at his shot and it's not like weird. It's not wonky looking, right? It looks like a normal jumper. No, it's not as pretty as Clay Thompson's, but I, I think that could translate. And this is a guy who has taken steps every single year in college and wasn't a huge recruit. Like you wonder, okay, well, you look at a guy like Jalen Johnson out of Duke, for example, like really raw five-star recruit, all these things didn't really put it together in college, left the program basically. But, um, you know, Davion Mitchell was not a five-star recruit. It took him a while to get on the map. Baylor is a, is a, a large program, but it's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. It's not UNC. You know what I mean? Like people aren't looking at Baylor for their next NBA players uh, necessarily, but I think you see a guy like him. I know he's 22. I know he's a junior. I still think there's some upside with him, right? And that's usually the knock. Like, if you were a junior at Duke and he was just sort of breaking through, then maybe you have a – and he was a five-star prospect at high school, then maybe you have a problem. But there's an argument to be made, like, with Davion Mitchell that he is – he still has some upside that, that he can hit. And then as far as what he could do defensively, he's so competitive, and you love that. And I think with, with – he, he didn't measure in as long as people – we're hoping uh, as far as his wingspan is concerned at the, at the combine this week, but still super competitive, really high basketball IQ, really good on ball defender. That's a really hard thing to find at the guard spot, right? It's really hard to find guards who guard their position really well. I mean, he's getting comparisons to drew holiday for a reason. And you pair a guy like him with Jordan Poole in that second unit, Jordan Poole, an offensive first player score shooter kind of guy. And you put Davion Mitchell in that backcourt with him. Now you're really talking about something, especially if you're looking at a, a bench trio of Jordan Poole, Davion Mitchell, and James Wiseman potentially coming off the bench. I like that a lot as like a young core to sort of anchor those second units when when Steph and, and Draymond aren't in the game. Yeah, no. And that would be my pick, by the way, at seven. I would pick Davion Mitchell, no doubt. Yeah, uh, well, you know, that was actually going to be my next question. But just for just for the purposes of, of the, the mental exercise, I'm still going to ask it. And, and we know how you feel about Mitchell, but I want I want you to hit on a couple other names from this list that I'm about to to detail that you think could be good fits for the Warriors. Um, the interesting thing about drafting at seven and 14 in this draft is that you could get the same guy at 14 that you might want at seven or vice versa. You know, there, it's such a fluid draft in that range. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to list nine guys who are possibilities in that seven to 14 range. Okay. And I want you to name two or three that you think would be really strong options for the warriors. Um, mm-hmm. And this could be at seven or fourteen because, like I said, they, they could be, they're actually somewhat interchangeable. Um, so, uh, guys who should be in that seven to fourteen range: UConn's James Booknight, Arkansas's Moses Moody, Tennessee's Keon Johnson, Mitchell from Baylor, who we've talked about, Duke's Jalen Johnson, Texas's Kai Jones, 
Gonzaga's Corey Kispert, Stanford's Zaire Williams, Michigan's Franz Wagner, and Australia's Josh Giddy. So the guy at seven that I would take is Davion Mitchell, but I would I'm saying that now, the day at, like the morning after the, the draft lottery. Franz Wagner could have a case to be my seventh guy. And we'll see what you know we learn about him over the next month. But to me, he's an ideal fit for Golden State. Uh, 6'9", 220 pounds. When you talk about a guy, if, if the Warriors want their next Joe Ingles, he kind of projects to be that kind of player. Uh, High-level playmaker, really good shooter, right? 38% from three-point range. Um, you know, he's not Duncan Robinson, right? He's not coming off of screens and, and making shots on the move, but just a good spot-up shooter. He's not, he doesn't have top-end scoring ability, but the Warriors don't need that because they've got Steph and they've got Draymond running the offense. So he's a guy who, you know, on the weak side of an offense, can get the ball, uh, attack closeouts, attack a scrambling defense, get to the basket. Again, six foot nine, he can finish. Um, he can make open threes. And defensively, uh, really, really high feel for the game, really high basketball IQ, uh, just a good team defender. What could exist in, in Golden State switching versatile defensive schemes. I think he's a perfect fit. Like, I think what the Warriors need to do this offseason is go get Joe Ingles or the closest thing to that. But if they can't do that with these picks, then getting Franz Wagner would be an ideal draft selection. So I know I said I want Davion, I, I would pick Davion Mitchell at seven. He'd be my pick. He still would right now, um, just because I know he can help right away. But Wagner is like kind of he's right there for me. And he's 19 where Mitchell is 22. So an argument could be made that if you want to go for upside there, you go with Wagner. Because the other thing, too, is you look at the rest of this draft, Connor. I mean, if Mitchell falls past Golden State at seven, he could fall all the way down to 14. Like he could slide like seven is the most logical spot for Mitchell. He could slide all the way to 14 because then you've got other teams here like Oklahoma or, or yeah, you've got Orlando, you've got Sacramento, New Orleans, Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana. I would say Indiana is probably the only team that might not want like a rebuilding raw project. And then you get Golden State at 14. Uh, there is an opportunity that Mitchell could fall away to 14. Wagner, by the like you said, I mean, all these guys, it's all interchangeable, but I have a hard time seeing Wagner falling to 14 um, just because of he's, he's younger than, than Mitchell is. Um, we see old guys slip in the draft all the time. So, um, yeah, I like him. The other names that you mentioned, like Josh Giddy, you know, a lot of uh, Moses Moody in my mentions, I get those names all the time. I'm, I don't love the fits in for the Warriors with Giddy and Moody as much. Uh, the other guy I would watch is Zaire Williams out of Stanford just because of the obvious Stanford connection between the Lake Up family and – and, and Zaire Williams, but I also like him because he's this lengthy kind of smooth ball handler, not basically a, a type of player they haven't had since Kevin Durant left. I'm not calling Zaire Williams Kevin Durant, but if you're looking for like a six, eight, six, nine lanky wing who projects to be a decent offensive player um, and just do some things for you on the wing, that's not really something that the Warriors have on their roster right now. So maybe at 14, you take a swing with a guy like Zaire Williams. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Based off what we've heard from Bob and other people in the front office, it sounds like if they do keep both picks, that they would want one pick to be 
a plug and play guy who can be helpful next season. And then maybe they're willing with the other pick to take more of a project guy who mm-hmm. has a high ceiling. Um, and so, you know, let's say they, and it's looking like if they want Mitchell, they're going to have to take him at seven because Mitchell's mm-hmm. really moving up. He, he might not even be available at seven. I mean, I've heard people say he could move up to fifth or sixth. Um, and so, which would also maybe not be a horrible thing for the Warriors because then you would have maybe Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga available at seven, which I think would be a little bit of a, a coup in certain ways. But um, let's say they take David on Mitchell at seven. I think you want to, you'd be open to at least taking somewhat of a project at 14. Um, the guys who I would be interested with that project type label would be you know Keon Johnson Zaire Williams and Josh Giddy. um Keon Johnson probably won't be available at 14 um but if he was I think the Warriors should take a strong hard look at him uh you know I'm not a huge fan just in general of taking guys who weren't very productive in college um but he's one of those guys who looks like even though he didn't put up big numbers at Tennessee even though he was inconsistent, he's just got such an amazing physical tool set where he he could come into his own and be like a perennial all-star guy. Um, and so I would be willing to, to roll the dice on him. Um, Zaire Williams, I'm not as high on. Um, you know, he was super highly touted out of high school and then his stock isn't just kind of been slowly trending downward. Um, he didn't do much at, at Stanford this year was inconsistent. Um, did not put up great numbers. You see the physical tools there. You see why he was a five-star recruit. Um, but I don't personally love him. Um, I'm hired love guys that were five-star recruits and underperformed in college, by the way, like, and I'm not, I don't love guys like that. The Warriors love guys like that. The Warriors love, the Warriors love guys who are five-star highly touted recruits who underperformed in college. I don't say that in a mocking way. I just say that because typically the Warriors aren't picking in the lottery, right? So they try to get guys who might, who have all of the talent, right? The talent enough to be a five-star recruit and have a body of work that, you know, is bigger, right? Four years in high school is a bigger body of work. And AAU uh, is bigger, is a bigger body of work than one year in college. And sometimes it's not the right fit, right? They pick the wrong college, the wrong coach, the wrong program. And and Golden State in the past has tried to do this where they try to steal a guy because his stock is falling, even though he has all the talent in the world. You look at Nico Mannion. That was the logic. I talked to people last year about Nico Mannion. They love the fact that he was a five star recruit. They're like, he didn't shoot well at Arizona, but we're betting on the talent. It didn't work out. It didn't work out with Nico Mannion. But, you know, maybe it can. I think that um, I, I'm, I'm with you, by the way. I don't love Zaire Williams. I haven't done enough work on him, like enough scouting work on him. But he, he's not the guy that jumps off for me. Can I add one more name to the mix here? Mm. This is who I would pick at 14 if he's still on the board. Chris Duarte, the wing out of Oregon. Automatic three-point shooter. Six foot six, 190 pounds. He's a senior. He's 23 he, years old. He could be available at 14. I think he's going to be available. You think about a guy like Dylan Brooks who just killed you in that final play-in game. Um, he's not Dylan Brooks, but he comes from the same program. Same kind of like just I, I don't think he's crazy the way that Dylan Brooks is crazy, but there's a competitiveness to him that I like. And if it, you could, you could easily plug and play him at two different positions as like a small, small forward or at guard, 
you could bring him off the bench with Jordan Poole. And now, like I said, he's 42% three-point shooter last year, made 81% of his free throw attempts. Um, this is just a guy who's going to hustle hard, chase loose balls, make open shots. And I think he has a little bit more upside than people are giving him credit for. I mean, you, you talk about guys, you like guys that are productive in college. He scored 17 points per game for Oregon last year. Yeah. And he's a good defender. So uh, that would be the guy. I, to I me, know though, Warriors- between him and uh, Corey Kispert, I'd rather have Kispert. Yeah, I don't think Kispert's going to fall away to 14. But you're right. Like, if it's between him and Kispert, I take Kispert, no doubt. They're similar Kispert, players. Yeah, and I think Kispert's a better passer, right? And so I think that's valuable with Golden State. If Kispert's on the board at 14, that's a home run for the Warriors. Like, just don't even wait to set. Just take him. Um, yeah, and, no and Kispert, I mean, if, if you ended up taking Mitchell and Kispert, you're taking two guys who can help you next season. And honestly, I, I'm, I would be okay with – using both picks on guys who maybe don't have the quote unquote upside, but they are going to be helpful next season. I think upside the whole, I could go down a a huge rabbit hole about upside, but upside basically means you just haven't shown it anything yet. It doesn't mean it means you haven't, (laughs) it means you haven't proven anything yet, but Um, you're going to get drafted because people think you can be great. I want to take the guy who's already shown he can be great. And guess what? That guy can be greater than you even think. So I'm hundred percent. No, I'm hundred percent with you. I, I don't think that the Warriors should worry about upside right now. I think that with 7-14, and 14, they should be looking at who on the board can crack our rotation today, right now. The hell with upside. It doesn't matter. Because let's, no. let's say you take a super raw prospect. Let's say you take Kai Jones or, or like a, uh, a, a, a Zaire Williams or a guy like that. Um, Let's say, or like a Jaden Springer out of Tennessee, who has a you know a ton of athleticism, but just like you know he's young and and whatever. Um, where's the playing time for him to develop? You know yeah. what I mean? Like if he can't crack your rotation, like he can have all the upside in the world, right? You can if the Warriors picked Giannis when Giannis was coming out right now at fourteen. Where is Giannis playing? What Giannis needed to get great was to play point guard for a few years was to have all th- this long leash to just experiment and all these things. And you're already needing to do that right now with one player and James Wiseman. You, you don't have the playing time to say, okay, go out there and do your best. And then, and whatever. This Warriors team is having a hard enough time, quote unquote, threading the needle with Wiseman. I don't think they can afford to take another, to take another swing. No, don't do it. Like there is right now an opportunity. There are some really good upperclassmen in this draft that I think are going to be available to the Warriors at 7 and 14 who are better right now than the guys taken ahead of them because the guys taken ahead of them are 19 or 18 years old and they have, like you said, the upside. The Warriors are not in position to tap into that potential. Forget it. It doesn't matter. Just take a guy who can help you right now because even if you do take the big swing, that's never going to pan out. It's just not unless you start trading everybody in front of them, which the Warriors aren't going to do and can't do. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. I think that there's a little bit of a market inefficiency that the Warriors can even exploit because teams like to take freshmen, 19-year-olds, who are, like you said, are unproven. And, like, you see these older guys fall, fall down boards. I mean, this happened last year with Tyrese Halliburton. He went 12 to Sacramento because he was a sophomore. And he was awesome. He finished third in, in, rookie of the year, in the Rookie of the Year race, and he looks like a franchise-type player. Um, Damian Lillard was a junior coming out of Weber State. You know, like just because a guy is a sophomore or a junior doesn't mean he doesn't have, like who would it's insane to think that Damian Lillard didn't have upside. And that's why he slid. I mean, he's arguably one of the, the two best point guards in the league right now. So um, 
yeah, I, I'm all I'm completely with you. I don't think that they should worry about upside. No projects. Just take the two players who are the best right now, who can potentially crack your rotation right now. Can I give you a name of a guy who's kind of my early X Factor guy? Yes. Um, and it's a guy who I've already read a decent amount about. Um, I've I've kind of studied him just because I'm I'm very intrigued by him, and I his name's Alperin Seguin. Um, yeah, yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sangoon. Um, Sangoon. Sangoon. Sorry. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, but he is one of the top international prospects. He's coming out of Turkey. Um, he's a 19 year old, uh, 19 year old big who has been unbelievably productive in the Turkish league for his age. Um, he's putting up numbers in that league that, no one his age has ever done before. I, I believe he was the MVP of that league this season. Um, he averaged uh, 19 points per game on highly efficient shooting, 60, 62.6% from the field. Um, and, you know, 81.2% from the free throw line um, in the Euro cup averaged 23 points per game um, against some of the best players outside of the NBA. Uh, on his team in Turkey, he had high-level, um, you know, guys who 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 Americans would be familiar with, guys like Joel Barry Carroll, who was a really yeah. good player um, for that. Yeah, for that people people might hear like people might hear Turkish league and be like, big deal. No, the Turkish league I said is Joel Barry Carroll, just Joel Barry. Sorry. Joel Barry. <laughs> no, no, but people no the the Turkish league is probably the second or third best league in Europe. Like people hear like that's yeah. a that's a man's league, and at 18 years old, he won the MVP of the league. So. That's that's a that's a that doesn't happen in that league. That is an enormous accomplishment. Yeah, and people the reason he's not projected to go like early lottery is because he's a little doughy, um doesn't necessarily have that physical build. You know who also was a little doughy and didn't have that physical build Don't but do was it. productive overseas Don't do it. was a second round pick. Don't do it. This guy named Nikola Jokic, he's pretty good now. Um <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to be Nick. I love, I love, I love those comparisons. No, you're right. Cause people like to make the comparison because he also averaged like two and a half assists per game last year. So he's got that feel for the game, that playmaking, but um, I love to say, okay, what's, what's the comparison you want to make, right? Like Scotty Barnes, people are like, what is, what's the comparison you want to make with Scotty Barnes? It's Draymond Green. All right. How many people have we compared to Draymond Green over the last 10 years? There's or only whatever. Green. And there's not, and every time we're like, it's this, this is this draft Draymond Green. You know how many Draymond Greens have been selected since Draymond Green? None. You know, like, and yeah. so like, or, or the Kawhi Leonard. People are like, oh, he's this draft's Kawhi. How many guys have panned out the way Kawhi has since Kawhi got drafted? Zero. You know, and so yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think Alperen Sangoon is an interesting prospect. If the Warriors decide that they want Ennis Cantor, then just draft Alperen Sangoon, right? And that's what he could probably be right away. I mean, that guy is. Light on his feet in the low post. He's super productive. There's obviously going to be a learning curve defensively. You mentioned the only reason he's not higher in the draft is because he's a little doughy and, and young and raw. I would argue if this were the Greg Oden draft, for example, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, um, he would probably be a top five pick, but he is a traditional center in the, sen- in the, in the biggest sense of the word, right? Like this is like Andrew Bogut coming out. Right, like he is very yeah. similar to that. Where he's another center. Feel the Warriors absolutely could. Um, the I I think that if 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 Sangoon's on the board at fourteen, and they say, you know what, 
There's just nobody in free agency that we love. We want another big body. He's 6'10", 240. He can be a low post score for us. Maybe we can play him with Wiseman in that second unit. Like Wiseman thinks he could play power forward. And I'm, I've been workshopping this take. Maybe he is a power forward and less of a center. You know, like he keeps getting compared to Chris Bosh and Kevin Garnett. Those guys play power forward a lot of their for a lot of the start of their careers. Like maybe, maybe asking Wiseman to be the quarterback of your defense at 19, 20 years old isn't the smartest thing to do. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. just let him shoot threes in the corner and, and attack closeouts the way that he can. So I don't know. I think it would be a really interesting pick at 14. Like as a person covering the Warriors, I'd be excited about it just because I'd be really interested to see what would happen. But um, I think he's got a ton of upside and people, he's kind of like a high riser recently. Like people really like his game. It's just the thing is he's never, I shouldn't say never, but he's not a three point shooter or even close to it right now. He can't really stretch the floor for you, but he's just, a, he's an Ennis Canner type, right? He's going to, he's going to score in the low post. He's going to get rebounds. Feel he can he make passes out of the low block. Um, I think he, he makes sense for what the Warriors want to do, but he's raw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, you know, he's he's been all over draft all over the place yeah. on the draft boards. I've seen him as early as 14. I've seen him in the early second round. Um, I think people- I've seen him higher than 14. Some people want him like in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, bottom line, you don't you're not that productive at that age in a in a league like that and and not be a high level player who's going to be an impact player in the NBA at some point in his career. Like well said. Yep. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Um how many times have there been guys taken in the early lottery who were averaging like 2 points per game in Europe? I mean, all the time. And guess what a lot of those guys became busts. The Dragon Benders of the world. Like a lot of those guys became busts. Um, and people were people during the Luca draft, everyone was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's a number one pick. Like, and I'm like thinking to myself, dude, he was MVP of the Euro League, the second best league in the world at 19. That's all I need to know about the dude. Game right. over. Like, yeah, game over. That's all right. it's all that matters. Um, right. so um Anyway, it's going to be really fun uh, digging into all the possibilities. But I guess my last question before I let you go would just be: we've, we've talked a lot about the prospects, who, what they could do if they take, if they use both picks. What if they decide? You know what? We really just cannot use both of these picks. Like we need, we want to get out of this draft, or we only want one of these picks. What are their options? They can trade the picks, obviously, right? So I think there's a couple things that they can do. If they don't want to add two rookies, they could try to trade up. You look at a team like Cleveland at number three. I don't know that there's a great fit for the Cavs at number three. Like, you know, presumably Cunningham and Mobley will be off the board. I thought, I think either of those guys would be a home run for the Cavs. But between Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs, I mean, they've already got Darius Garland and Colin Sexton in that backcourt. I think at three, it's probably too high to take a guy as raw as Kaminga. Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe they reach and take Scotty Barnes, but you can make an argument that at three, they should just try to trade down. Right. And kind of grab these guys that we were just talking about, like a Scotty Barnes and a Moses Moody or a Davion Mitchell or Franz Wagner, like all guys who would be better fits for them. Maybe they can duplicate their, uh, swings at you know, bites at the apple or whatever. And if you're the warriors, you don't, you can offer seven and 14, right. To try to move up to three. I think that Cleveland would have to consider it. 
there's some other teams too that have multiple picks like Oklahoma city that could definitely try to move up into the top three. Um, that would be something that would be a call. I would make if I were Bob Myers, because if you can move up to three and take Jalen Suggs, forget it. Jalen Suggs can play for you right away and help the Warriors win right now. That's who I would take. I'm not sure the Warriors would, they might try to move up for Jalen green. We both know that they like Jalen green, but uh, I, if I were them, I would try to, I would call Cleveland, try to move up to three and take Jalen Suggs and then home run. You've just won the draft in my opinion. But um, the other thing that they could do, um, and so that's one thing, right? Is take your two things and condense it. They're not going to be able to trade in the top five, man. I think the I, I was saying not that I was saying that, I was saying that, but the fact that Cleveland ended up at three, and it's just a weird spot for them. I would just I wouldn't rule it out. That's all I'm saying. You're probably right. You're probably right. I just you have to make the call, and yeah. I think Cleveland will try to trade down, but um, or trade out. But uh, the other option would be to trade these picks, right? So. Uh, the seventh pick is going to have like a five and a half million dollar cap salary, and this fourteenth pick will be like three and a half or four million dollars or something like that. You could take these players and then trade them for immediate help. So I don't think you're getting anything at three and a half or four million dollars that's worth it, right? So what you would have to do is take the player, sign the player, wait thirty days, and then trade the player legally. But you can agree on the deal and then kind of quote unquote pick for the other team at those selections. Um, and then you only consummate the deal 30 days later, but whatever, we can all report it as, as such when it happens. But um, at three and a half, $4 million, you're not really getting a difference maker, but if you combine 14 and seven, now you're talking about about $9 million in combined salary. Then you could throw in like a Damian Lee or an Alan Smiley Geach or a Michael Mulder contract. And, and you can kind of work your way up to about 11, 12, $13 million that you can use in combined salary. And, the team that takes those players, you know, if, you're, if they take Smiley Gage or Lee, Lee and Mulder, for example, all those contracts are non-guaranteed. You can just waive them. You don't have to, you don't have to roster those players. So you're not doing like a five-for-one type deal, which is difficult. Um, so some names that I thought of that could be had at like $12 million. I mean, would the Cavaliers do that for Larry Nance Jr.? Would the Utah Jazz move Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson? They've got some decisions to make after disappointing in the playoffs. Rodney Hood at $10.8 million. Like Kyle Anderson at $9.9 million. These are all types of guys that the Warriors could potentially go after. Now, I don't know that it's worth punting on the upside of a number seven and number 14 pick. It's probably not. Like Joe Ingles would at least get me thinking about it. But um, those would be the other options that the Warriors have. And I, I think that if you can get a Joe Ingles type guy, uh, maybe even like a Terry Rozier type or something, I think you should, I think you should probably go that route. Um, but I think we sh- showed in our conversation today that if they do keep both both picks, there's a there's a worse spot to be in. They're they're going to be okay. At the end of the day, they to be contenders next season, they need to have ten legitimate playoff caliber guys at least and i think Mm -hmm. you can get guys at seven and 14 who fit that bill in this draft yeah they wouldn't have been the case in a lot of years they'll have the mid-level exception but that's it kelly Oubre probably walks away from nothing signing trading him is 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 really difficult to do so this is not just the draft for the warriors but you could argue like this is a version of free agency for them too like if they're trying to fill out you and i have had this conversation a hundred times um, it's, you know, we, we know that there's kind of eight guys in this rotation. You need your ninth and 10th and 11th men, right. And for the course of this regular season coming up, this is a way for them to address 
and round out the rest of the rotation. And that's how they should approach this draft. Not about upside, but just how can we round out this rotation right now? Because it's going to be really hard for us to do it in free agency. Wes, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. Um, I really appreciate you once again putting on your GM hat. We're, we're just poor men. We're just poor Bob Myers over here, poor impersonations of Bob Myers over here. But uh, I think um, we did a good impression. I think we did. Yeah, I, I give us give ourselves some credit. I thought we did all right. Where can our listeners follow all your stuff, read your, read your great Warriors content? Well, as always, you can read my stuff over at the Mercury News, um, and I encourage everybody to check out Locked on Warriors now on YouTube. We are finally on YouTube, so really, really excited about that. We launched it last week, late last week. Uh, we're trying to build up the subscriber base and get as many views on that as possible. People love YouTube these days, Connor, so um, check it out. Smash the subscribe button and whatever the Gen Zers are saying these days, and uh, I appreciate you having me, man. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed chatting with him about the draft. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 